0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Laboring and Employment, a monthly podcast series on Asia employment law issues. I'm Wendy.
1: And I'm Clarence. We are part of the Simmons & Simmons employment
0: team. Clarence, I thought it would be good for us to talk about suspensions, since there have been recent cases dealing with this in both Hong Kong and Singapore. This is obviously an important topic for employers, as they may wish to suspend an employee for different reasons. For example, pending the completion of an investigation into matters in which the employee is involved.
1: There is also rightly or wrongly, a perception that suspensions are penal in nature and are indicative of wrongdoing on the part of the employee. Thus, suspensions often result in the escalation of tensions between an employer and its employee, setting the stage for an acrimonious parting of ways. This has become a bit of a legal minefield of late, as employees become more aware of their rights and entitlements.
0: Let's take a look at the legal position in each of Hong Kong and Singapore before drawing out the key issues and considerations for employers who are compelled to undertake such a course of action.
1: Definitely Wendy. I'm aware that the Hong Kong Employment Ordinance gives employers the right to suspend employees. Can you talk us through that section and in particular the circumstances under which it would apply?
0: Sure, the the provision that you have in mind is section 11, subsection 1, which is rather limited in scope. It gives an employer the right to suspend an employee for a period of up to 14 days, so not for very long, either as a disciplinary measure for any repudiatory breach of the employment contract, or pending the employer's decision as to whether it will exercise the right to dismiss the employee summarily. An employer can also rely on this section to suspend an employee pending the outcome of any criminal proceedings against the employee which relate to the employment. In those circumstances, the period of suspension can be extended until the conclusion of the proceedings, meaning that it can last for more than 14 days.
1: So, based on what you're saying, it seems that suspensions under the framework of the Employment Ordinance can be penal in nature and may be used as a sanction against misconduct.
0: This is correct, but I want to emphasise that the statutory right to suspend can only be used as a sanction against any gross misconduct, which justifies summary dismissal. This means that it applies only to very serious misconduct or neglect, and not to minor and trivial transgressions. We don't often see it used as a sanction. An employer would usually seek to rely on it when it is investigating suspected misconduct, but doesn't have a contractual right to suspend, which it can rely upon.
1: I see. And is the employer required to pay the employee their salary or part of it during the period of suspension?
0: This is actually a very good question. The employment ordinance is silent on this issue. Our view, which is consistent with the Labor Department's current approach, is that suspension without pay is permissible. On this issue, we would probably draw a distinction between where the right is exercised as a sanction versus where it is used pending the conclusion of an investigation into suspected misconduct.
1: Is there anything else that employees should consider when determining whether they should exercise their statutory right to suspend,
0: it is important for employers to be aware that if they exercise the right to suspend pursuant to section 11 subsection 1, then section 11 subsection 2 would give the suspended employee the right to resign with immediate effect. In other words, they don't have to give notice or make payment in lieu of notice.
1: This is interesting. There is no equivalent provision in Singapore, and Singapore employees remain subject to the same notice requirements as set out in their employment contracts, even if they have been suspended. Wendy, you mentioned earlier that there was a recent case in Hong Kong dealing with uh, these suspensions. Perhaps you can tell us more?
0: Sure. The relevant case is Werner and Hong Kong Express Airways, which is a decision of the Court of First Instance, and it relates to the application of Section 11 of the Employment Ordinance. The plaintiff was a pilot and he was suspended from his flying duties, pending the outcome of an internal inquiry. Before the conclusion of the internal inquiry, the employee resigned with immediate effect. There were two issues in dispute in this case. The first was whether the employee could rely on Section 11 Subsection 2 to resign without notice or payment in lieu. The second issue was whether the suspension of the employee's duties constituted constructive dismissal, which allowed him to resign without notice or payment in lieu. In this case, the court drew a distinction between a suspension from the partial performance of duties and a suspension from employment more broadly. The court held that the literal wording of section 11 related to suspension from employment. As the employee was only suspended from flying duties, section 111 had no application and therefore the employee did not have the right to resign without notice or payment in lieu in accordance with section 11 subsection two. The court also took the view that as the employee handbook gave the employer the right to suspend the employee from his duties, there was no repudiatory breach of contract by the employer and no constructive dismissal. I think there are two key takeaways for employers. The first is that when exercising the right to suspend under section 11 subsection 1 of the employment ordinance, it is important to ensure that the employee must be suspended from all duties. Secondly, if if employers want to suspend employees from performing only some of their duties, they must have a contractual right to do so, or they must first obtain the employee's consent. I would add that a contractual right to suspend is recommended given the limited scope and duration of the statutory right. I think I've said enough for Hong Kong. Let's now move on to Singapore. Clarence, can you talk us through the relevant provisions on suspension in the Employment Act?
1: Thanks, Wendy. The position in Singapore is a little bit more stringent. An employer can only suspend an employee from work for the purpose of carrying out a due inquiry. The period of suspension cannot exceed one week unless the prior approval of the Commissioner for Labour is sought and the employee must also be paid at least half of their salary.
0: Does it mean that you don't need the Commissioner's approval for a longer suspension if you suspend an employee on full pay?
1: That's a great question, Wendy. There is a lack of clarity on this. And the way in which the Employment Act is drafted certainly suggests that you can suspend an employee indefinitely so long as you pay them their full salary. Our view of this is that this is not the intention of the legislation and any suspensions in excess of one week will need to be approved by the Commissioner, regardless of whether the employee is on half or full pay.
0: I have another question. Can you elaborate on what your inquiry means?
1: Yes, certainly. The Employment Act also does not define this, which is quite unhelpful. There is limited guidance from the courts as to what it entails, uh, but not when it should be carried out. So let me explain. The courts have held that a due inquiry involves laying out the allegations and the evidence against an employee and giving the employee the opportunity to respond properly to the allegations and to mount essentially a defence. However, what isn't so clear is whether a due inquiry covers disciplinary hearings only or whether it extends to internal investigations more generally. Our view is that a due inquiry refers specifically to disciplinary hearings, since the Employment Act grants employers the right to dismiss an employee summarily for misconduct after a deal inquiry is carried out.
0: It looks like there are several subtle but important distinctions between suspensions under the Hong Kong Employment Ordinance and the Singapore Employment Act. Shall we take a look at the recent Singapore case dealing with suspensions?
1: Yes, the case in question is Dongwei and Shell Eastern Trading Private Limited. It's a Singapore High Court decision and it pertains to a senior employee who was the subject of allegations of misconduct. The employee was suspended on full pay and an internal investigation was carried out. The investigation was inconclusive and the employee was subsequently terminated with notice. The issue in the case was around the scope of the implied term of mutual trust and confidence. One of the questions that arose was whether Shell's suspension of the employee for an extended period of time, albeit on full pay, amounted to a breach of the implied term. The High Court held that the suspension of an employee without proper or reasonable cause can amount to a breach of the implied term of mutual trust and confidence. Importantly, however, the court stressed that there must be a minimum content of fairness when suspending an employee and investigating the allegations in question. In practical terms, what this means is that the procedures adopted should not amount to a hatchet job, i.e., where the outcome was preordained, or be so unfair as to destroy the basis of any expected continuation of the employment relationship. Secondly, the suspension must also be clear based on credible sources of information and cannot be a knee jerk reaction based on unclear or unspecific allegations with dubious credibility.
0: Given the statutory limitations on an employer's right to suspend its employees, we're often asked whether it's advisable for employers to ensure that the employment contract provides them with an unfettered contractual right to suspend.
1: Yes, that's right. And unfortunately, this is another area where our respective jurisdictions diverge. In Singapore, A contractual clause purporting to grant employers an an unlimited right to suspend will not overrule the statutory provisions. Such a term will therefore be ineffective as it is less favourable to an employee than any of the conditions imposed by statute.
0: On the other hand, in Hong Kong, a contractual right to suspend would generally be enforceable. Although similar to the position in Singapore, the exercise of such right would be subject to the employer's implied duty of mutual trust and confidence.
1: What are some matters that a Hong Kong employer should bear in mind when drafting a provision on suspension?
0: I think the key is to ensure that the relevant clause is drafted in a way which is clear and gives the employer the maximum level of flexibility. The provision should state that the employer can exercise the right to suspend at any time, including during any notice period, which effectively means that the employer can place the employee on garden leave. The provision should also spell out what the employer can do during the suspension period, such as requiring the employee not to perform all some of their duties, to remain away from the employer's premises and not to contact any employees or clients and removing or restricting the employee's access to the employer's systems. Moving on, given the limitations imposed by Singapore law when it comes to suspensions, what are some practical alternatives for for employers? We know many of our clients will want reassurance that if they are conducting an investigation, they can do so without being obliged to keep the employee in the workplace where they might repeat the misconduct or interfere with the investigation.
1: Yes, that's right. In Singapore, employers often get around the limitations of suspensions by placing employees on a paid leave of absence instead. This is typically described as administrative leave or home leave.
0: Isn't this just a question of semantics?
1: I knew you were going to say that, and you certainly aren't the first person to make this point. But I think there is a fundamental difference between the two, conceptually. Now earlier, I mentioned that the legislative intent behind a due inquiry is for it to apply in the context of disciplinary hearings only, as the employer only has the right to suspend an employee for the purpose of a due inquiry. It therefore follows that a suspension is intended to be penal in nature and therefore should not be permitted in situations where a prima facie case of wrongdoing has not yet been made out against the employee.
0: Thanks, Clarence. There is a lot more in relation to suspensions that we can talk about, but unfortunately, this is all that we have time for today. I hope you found this discussion interesting.
1: Thanks, Wendy, and if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to either of us. In the meanwhile, please stay tuned for our next episode, and take care.